You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Like Jack the Ripper himself, little is known about his last victim, Mary Jane Kelly. Her heavily mutilated body was found in a leased room on Dorset Street in East London on November 9th, 1888. She had been living in a slum frequently occupied by prostitutes and criminals, and her murder was so gruesome, police actively tried to suppress information about it to prevent any rumors. Like the Ripper's other victims, Mary Jane Kelly was a heavy drinker. At least, she began drinking heavily when she moved to London's East End. For a time, she lived with a married couple, then left to live with a man, and then another man shortly after. Eventually, she met Joseph Barnett, and the two became lovers. And for better or worse, most of the known information about Kelly comes from what she told him. However, given that Kelly went by various aliases, including Ginger, Black Mary, and Fair Emma, and the fact that there are nearly no documented records supporting anything she said, her words, and therefore Barnett's, aren't exactly reliable. Barnett said Kelly had told him that she was born in Limerick, Ireland around 1863. Her father was supposedly an iron worker named John Kelly. No information about her mother was known, and she had either five or six siblings. When she was 16, she said she married a man with either the last name of Davies or Davis, who was allegedly killed in a mining accident. There's no record of their marriage. Kelly then moved to Cardiff, where she lived with a cousin and began working as a prostitute. In 1884, Barnett said, she moved to London and began working at an upscale brothel. According to an anonymous prostitute, however, by 1886, Mary Jane Kelly was living at a lodging house in Spitalfields, where she met Barnett. After spending just two nights together, Barnett and Kelly decided to move in together. They were then evicted from their first residence for falling behind on their rent and getting drunk. So they moved to a dirty, damp room on Dorset Street, 13 Miller's Court. The room had boarded up windows and a padlocked door. Barnett said that Kelly stopped being a prostitute then, but when he eventually lost his job, she returned to sex work. He also said that Kelly then wanted to share their room with another prostitute, prompting an argument between Barnett and Kelly that resulted in him leaving. They stopped living together then, but Barnett still visited her frequently, including on the night of her death, though he left around 9 p.m. The account gets murkier from there, with some neighbors saying they saw Kelly drunk that evening around 11 p.m., and others saying she was singing into the wee morning hours. One thing is for certain, though. Sometime before noon on November 9, 1888, someone entered Kelly's room and killed her. And of all of Jack the Ripper's canonical victims, 
Mary Jane Kelly's murder was the most gruesome. You are listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. And I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Kalina Fraga. And today we are exploring the story of the fifth and final of Jack the Ripper's victims, Mary Jean Kelly. As we talked about last time, the names get confusing at a certain point because aliases and Mary Ann Nichols, Mary Jane Kelly, Annie Chapman. There's a lot of like just overlap. Right. Well, and like you would give like fake names and go by nicknames. Right. And yeah, like there was a uh, what was the fake name Annie Chapman gave? It was like Mary Jane. I think that was something. Catherine Eddowes. Oh, that's right. Because she yeah. was with a guy whose last name was Kelly and she went by Kate Kelly. Right. And then she, I think she right. gave her name as like Mary Ann Kelly. And we were, right, we were both like, wait it. a minute, <laughs> how yeah. weird would it be if... Yeah, which is sort of a weird coincidence. Like, we talk a lot about the similarities between all the victims, but very weird, the name overlaps that yeah. happened here as well. I don't Maybe it's just a symptom of British like Victorian names. Lo- yeah, I kind of think it's just people kind of all had the same name at the time. Yeah, lots of Toms, lots of Jacks, <laughs> uh-huh. all the classic names. Mary Jane Kelly, her life's very strange, Mm -hmm. very uh, little is known about it, and pretty much everything that is known is just because of what a man named Joseph Barnett relayed secondhand. He was the last lover she had before she died, and she told him all of these things, then he shared that story. There's pretty much no, like documentary evidence to support any of it. Mm. So, you know, take everything here with a grain of salt. But what we kind of are able to piece together about her, she was allegedly born in Limerick, Ireland of around 1863 and then later moved to Wales. Mm. She claimed to one acquaintance that her parents had disowned her, but that she remained close to her sister. It's not really clear if she only had one sister. She uh, might have had like six or seven siblings. She had at least one sister Hmm. who she stayed close to. But she also claimed that she came from what she said were well-to-do people. A former landlord of hers, John McCarthy, once claimed that she occasionally received infrequent letters from Ireland, and he described her as an excellent scholar and an artist of no mean degree, which is interesting because Joseph Barnett said he had to read her newspaper articles about the Whitechapel murders, suggesting that she might have been illiterate. Huh. That's strange. Discrepancy. I'll say you can maybe you can be smart and illiterate. They're not mutually exclusive. Being an artist and illiterate. Yeah. But to call her a scholar. Maybe she absorbed information well and was able to like tell stories, you know. Uh, that Yeah, very possible. It's like when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you have an intelligence score and a wisdom score. They're oh. not the same thing. <laughs> I was like, where is that going? The Dungeons and Dragons. You can be very thing? wise, but, but, <laughs> but technically stupid. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, or you can be very smart and like no, have no common it's sense. It's like right? book smart versus street smart. Yeah. 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 I see. She went by a bunch of different aliases. Some people called her Black Mary. Some people called her Fair Emma. Some people called her Ginger. It's kind of interesting because she was described as being either blonde or redheaded, but the name Black Mary might insinuate that she had dark hair. Hmm. Unless she had, like, dark moods. Right, yeah. It's not really clear if it was referencing her personality, her complexion. Like, she wasn't black, so I guess it wasn't referencing her complexion. But, like, back then, people might have said someone had a dark complexion and meant more their, like, somewhere like Whitechapel might meant more their eye color. True, true, true. Yeah, same thing with the name Fair Emma. It's like, is that because she was pale? Is it because she was 
a kind person, not really clear. Hmm. She also claimed that when she was 16 in 1879, she married a coal miner and that he died in a mining explosion two or three years later. Hmm. There's no paper record of that marriage anywhere. In 1884, she moved to London and allegedly developed a friendship with a French woman who got her a job at a high-end brothel. Uh, Mary Jane Kelly was reportedly very popular at that brothel and spent a lot of her earnings on expensive clothing and hiring a carriage. She claimed that one client invited her to France, but then she returned to England within two weeks because she didn't like her life in France. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I, you wonder if that's true or not, but... I don't know. She also she started going by the name Marie Jeannette at some point, too, so... I don't know if, you know, maybe she actually went to Paris or maybe she made this story up to get the new name. Yeah. To add some sort of like extra appeal to her. Right. Yeah. It's it's sort of better if you're like at a high, like an upper class brothel than just. Yeah. You're, if you're French, you're like. In you French. Know, yeah. There's right. something like kind of exotic about it. Yeah. At this brothel, that's where she met Joseph Barnett. The two became lovers. They moved in together for a little bit. They were then kicked out of their first apartment for failing to pay rent and drunken disorderly conduct, which led them to a not very nice room at 13 Miller's Court off Dorset Street in Whitechapel. Hmm. But the room itself was like, I mean, you know, you are in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was a 12 foot square room with a single bed, three tables and a chair. Mm, this sounds like my like, last apartment. Yeah, I, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's a, a New York City apartment. Uh -huh. <laughs> Apparently, at one point, Mary Jane Kelly lost her door key. And the way she chose to enter her room was by bolting and unbolting the door by sticking her hand through a broken window that was next to it. Oh, so it was pretty just easy to, to get inside then. Yeah, just a, but just also just to paint an image of like the kind of situation they were living in, mm -hmm. you know, broken window, very small room. Yeah, number 13 yeah. too, so ominous. Very, yeah, yeah, bad omen. Mm -hmm. As far as that broken window goes, a German neighbor claimed that Mary Jane Kelly had broken the window herself when she was drunk. Wow. So again, we're seeing- uh, Some patterns. Some patterns, some, you know, alcoholism seems to be a recurring theme amongst the victims. Yeah. Pretty much everyone who knew Mary Jane Kelly agreed that when she was sober, she was a relatively pleasant and quiet person, and then she would get drunk, become abusive to people around her, be very loud, uh, which earned her another nickname, Dark Mary. So maybe you were right, maybe Black Mary did have something to do mm. with this mood of hers. Wow. Things were not great for them. They got worse in oh. July 1888. Uh, Joseph Barnes lost his job as a fish porter, allegedly due to committing theft, and Kelly then became a prostitute again. So she stopped being a prostitute while they were living together. Mm. He was bringing in all the money. And then, uh, yeah, she went back out to work on the streets, which as we know, was what led her to die. Yeah. So at this point, we're seeing some of the same patterns again. This is a very unstable relationship. It got worse when Barnett lost his job. They started fighting more. Um, Mary Jane Kelly began letting other prostitutes sleep in their shared room on what she said were like cold, bitter nights. At first, Joseph Barnett was fine with that, or at least tolerated it. And then... After Kelly brought home a prostitute known only as Julia, it got worse. I don't know. Hmm. There's not a lot of information on that situation, but presumably he just had had enough. Yeah, it was the final straw. Didn't like Julia. Didn't like Julia. Julia was the bad one. So it caused him, this fight that they had after that, caused him to leave the apartment at 13 Miller's Court on October 30th, roughly a week 
before she died. During that time, though, he did visit her frequently and he would occasionally bring her money, things like that. The last time he visited her was November 8th. He stayed there for roughly two hours between 7 and 9 p.m. At the time, Kelly was hanging out with her friend Maria Harvey. Barnett didn't stay long. He said he apologized to Kelly for not having any money to give her that day. And then he and Harvey left around the same time. After that, he returned to the lodging house where he was staying. He played cards there with other residents until about 12.30 a.m., and then he went to bed. Later that evening, Mary Jane Kelly was seen drinking with, or I guess, you know, later after he left her apartment, hmm. but still that same night. Kelly was out drinking with a woman named Elizabeth Foster at the Ten Bells Public House, and then she was seen sharing a drink with two others at the Horn of Plenty pub on Dorset Street. At roughly 11.45 p.m., a fellow Miller's Court resident uh, and another prostitute named Marianne Cox said she saw Kelly return home drunk with a stout, red-headed man whom she estimated to be around 36 years old. Hmm. Red hair. We haven't heard that before. Yeah, that's interesting. Stout as well. For a while after that, people said they could hear Mary Jane Kelly singing the song A Violet from Mother's Grave, which is also... Ominous. A little bit <laughs> ominous. Yeah. Mary Ann Cox said that Mary Jane Kelly was still singing that song when she left around midnight and still singing when she returned an hour later. Boy, she sounds like a horrible neighbor. She's singing, yeah. she's breaking windows. <laughs> it's a long time to be just singing in your apartment. Yeah. Also a long time for, like, imagine you're, <laughs> imagine you're the man just sitting there, right? You like go home with this prostitute. And you're like, all right, I, I know what I'm going to do. And then she just sings at you. She's for like, want to hear a song? You're like, oh, okay. And then she, she's like, it's a long one. Around 2 a.m. on November 9th, now the next morning, mm -hmm. Kelly ran into an unemployed laborer named George Hutchinson on Flower and Dean Street. And she asked him, or she asked to borrow money from him. He said he didn't have any. He said that as she walked off toward Thrall Street, she was approached by a suspicious man who he said made obvious efforts to hide his face. Hmm. And then he watched the two of them walk back towards 13 Miller's Court. Marianne Cox later said that she thought she heard someone leave Kelly's room around 5.45 a.m. Wow. Huh. So there was a second person, apparently, yeah. who went back to her apartment. So one guy just, she just sang at him for two hours or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That she left and found another guy. Um, it's interesting because the ones so far, everyone was killed, like, outdoors. And this is right. different. Yeah. A little bit more intimate. Yeah. And isolated. And violent and horrible yeah the jack the ripper certainly had more time mm -hmm. here as well to do what he wanted which is not it's interesting so i i wonder if his failure with elizabeth stride uh and then kind of the rush job with Catherine eddowes mm -hmm. made him want to go this route instead of what he'd been doing yeah switch up the strategy a little bit yeah yeah well that and there was uh, like about a month gap here now that's right yeah they were killed end of september so he's been stewing Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done. It wasn't until about 1045 that morning, uh, November 9th, 1888, when Kelly's body was discovered by her landlord's assistant, Thomas Boyer. Boyer knocked and received no answer and then found that the door was locked. Uh, and then he peered into the room, couldn't really see anybody inside. So he moved aside the cloak that had been hanging over the broken window. And that's when he saw Mary Jane Kelly's mutilated corpse on mm. the bed. Oof. He reported the find to John McCarthy, their landlord, who then instructed Boyer to alert the police. Boyer, when he got in contact with the police, he told Inspector Walter Beck another one. Jack the Ripper, awful, McCarthy sent me. Hmm. Police were naturally very responsive to this, and they were aware of the media sensations, so they were really trying to keep everything isolated and under wraps and keep people away. Beck made the order to prevent anybody from exiting or entering the yard. Didn't really work. News of the murder very quickly spread across the East End. Hmm. And the crowd of roughly 1,000 people wow. were gathered around Dorset Street, like panic just moments away from breaking out. Jeez, I'm not sure if I heard there was like a murder near me, if I'd run to the scene to no, I look at it. <laughs> but I mean, that's just people were so fascinated and caught up in this like sensation around the Ripper. Right. Ugh. I also wouldn't be surprised if he was in the crowd. That's what they say, right? In like crime yeah. TV shows, they return to the scene. Which I don't I don't know if that ever comes up. I guess you would know more than I would if any of the suspects were like seen here on this day. Not that I know of. No. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, so panics on the edge of breaking out. Police are now examining the body. They bring Joseph Barnett in to identify her. And he was only able to do it by recognizing, quote, the ear and the eyes. Oh, God. And that's because the rest of her face was just horribly mutilated beyond recognition. Yeah. The photos of this are like horrible. Yeah. All of the photos throughout the Jack the Ripper story are kind of grisly, even like the mortuary photos. They're just like nasty and uncanny. And the fact that they're so old. They, it just like adds an extra layer of eeriness. But the photographs from the crime scene of 13 Miller's Court are genuinely just disgusting. Yeah, they are revolting. They roughly estimated that she died anywhere between three and nine hours before her body was found. When was her body found? At like noon? Oh, 1045. Okay. Someone, and then Marianne Cox said she thought she heard somebody leave Kelly's room around 545. Okay, so that fits. So, yeah, it probably sat there. Yeah, they say three to nine hours, but maybe five. Mm -hmm. The killer obviously had a lot of time to commit the murder. She was the most disfigured by the attack. I have just written out here uh, notes made by the coroner who did the autopsy. Mm -hmm. A quick word of warning before we get into the next segment, the description of Mary Jane Kelly's body is rather gruesome and detailed. And if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, skip ahead about a minute and a half or so in this episode uh, just to avoid any of that. He wrote, the body was lying naked in the middle of the bed, the shoulders flat, but the axis of the body inclined to the left side of the bed. The head was turned on the left cheek. The left arm was close to the body with the forearm flexed at a right angle and lying across the abdomen. The right arm was slightly abducted from the body and rested on the mattress. The elbow was bent, the forearm supine with the fingers clenched. The legs were wide apart, the left thigh at right angles to the trunk, and the right forming an obtuse angle with the pubis. When he says abducted from the body, he means removed from the body? Yeah, yeah. Ugh. The whole of the surface of the abdomen and thighs was removed. 
and the abdominal cavity emptied of its viscera. The breasts were cut off, the arms mutilated by several jagged wounds, and the face hacked beyond recognition of the features. The tissues of the neck were severed all round down to the bone. Mm. The viscera were found in various parts v the uterus and kidneys, with one breast under the head, the other breast by the right foot, the liver between the feet, the intestines by the right side, and the spleen by the left side of the body. The flaps removed from the abdomen, and thighs were on a table. That's so horrible and gross. Yeah, I think I just dissociated while I was reading all that. (laughs) Yeah, it's really... It was just, yeah, so gruesome. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah, just the, like... So much post-mortem, like, arranging, organizing. It was very deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. They determined that, and maybe maybe this is a silver lining. <laughs> she had initially been killed by a slash to the throat. Everything else was done to her after she died. That is a silver lining. That makes... Right, because... It doesn't make it, like, better, but it makes it, like, a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, she died a quick death. Yeah. I won't say painless, but quick. Yeah, yeah. And then all this horrible stuff happened when she was gone. Right, right. But it'd be much worse to have a lot of those things done while you're alive. Yes, so absolutely. Yeah, some sort of silver lining there. Yeah. This also threw a wrench in investigators' previous thought that the murderer had anatomical knowledge ahead of time, which is interesting. In the opinion of uh, the examiner, Thomas Bond, he said, in each case, the mutilation was inflicted by a person who had no scientific nor anatomical knowledge. In my opinion, he does not even possess the technical knowledge of a butcher or horse slaughterer or a person accustomed to cut up dead animals. Hmm. And then Mary Jane Kelly's death certificate was officially issued on November 17th. Records cited her name as Marie Jeanette Kelly and said she was about 25 years old, making her 20 years younger than all of the other victims. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's like a lot of differences between this case and the others. Yeah, what's what I find interesting about it is 11 people died total around this time in white. Well, no, more than that. But 11 people were murdered. Mm-hmm. 11 women were murdered. We talk about five being like the canonical victims who they think were all attributed to the same person. There's six others potentially, or they were just random acts of violence. It's weird to me that this one is considered canonical because of how different it is. Yeah. Do you know why it's considered canonical? I don't, other than that's the way it is. It almost (laughs) seems to me like this guy, I can't remember the landlord or like his like assistant guy, went to the police and was like, it's Jack the Ripper. And then they were like, oh, okay. Let's just accept that then. Right. Although her, I mean, I don't know much about the other six women. I assume they were all women who were killed, but Uh, were they as like mutilated and everything? Because I think that ties this to like. Yeah, that I don't know. I just know that um, in some of these, like Emma Elizabeth Smith was sexually assaulted and robbed by a gang. Oh, Tabram was stabbed 39 times. Then Kelly, Mackenzie, and Coles all had their throats slit just like Nichols, Chapman, and Stride. Hmm. Another one was strangled. Yeah. I can see how she fits into like a lot of Ripper things. I don't I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to learn more about the other women. But aside from her age, she is a drinker. She has experience with lodging houses, even if she wasn't living in one at the time. Right. She's a sex worker. These all seem to kind of... Match. I mean, we've we've said it before that they all kind of made the perfect victim because of how vulnerable their situations were. Mary Jane Kelly makes the perfect perfect victim because she had an apartment, right? Which must have been. I mean, we talked we talked about where people went 
too when they hired like a sex worker in the Victorian right. era. And if most of the most of the women we talked about during the series lived in lodging houses, so if right. they had a roommate or something, they couldn't bring a man back. Kelly was like unique in that she could do that. That was unusual and maybe unexpected to the killer. Right. And uh, obviously provided him ample opportunity to do some grisly work. Yeah. I mean, the, everyone was found like pretty soon after they were killed. So they, they were in public enough spaces where that would have been a huge risk to like go right. all out. Yeah. So it could have just been like opportunity and not like a yeah. plan. I mean, that's probably what it was. I think probably most of the time it was a good opportunity. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that, like, the first four were all born in, like, the 1840s. So they're all, like, in their 40s. Yeah. Which we talked about, like, is, like, a little bit older uh, for the time, especially. Right. And that seems like a very, like, a specific victim type that this guy has. Although, again, like, you know, who knows? Maybe it was just random. Right. Well, and you've mentioned it before, but there was never any indication that he was maybe sexually driven. Yeah, right. It was always, there was no real sign that I, there frankly wasn't enough time for that to have happened and for the murders to have happened. But that wasn't his objective, it seemed. Right. It seems like from what I'm able to glean here, there is a little bit of debate as to whether or not Mary Jane Kelly was the last victim of all of the Whitechapel murders. They're pretty sure Rose Milet was not killed by Jack the Ripper because she died of uh, suffocation. She was strangled, 26 years old. That seems different. They thought she had been murdered. One person thought she'd accidentally hanged herself on the collar of her dress while she was drunk. Oh. Other people suggested it might have been suicide, but they ultimately concluded that there was no evidence to show that her death had been the result of violence. They still consider her as part of the Whitechapel murders, but probably not Jack the Ripper. Alice McKenzie, though, kind of maybe sort of fits in with the Ripper victims. Mm -hmm. She was likely a prostitute. She was murdered at 12.40 a.m. on Wednesday, July 17th, 1889, so a good bit later. Yeah. Like most of the other murders, her left, her left carotid artery was severed from left to right, and there were wounds on her abdomen. They weren't as deep as in previous murders, and there was a shorter blade used for it. Hmm. Commissioner Monroe and one of the pathologists examining her body initially believed it to be part of the Ripper murders. Then another pathologist with the last name Phillips and Robert Anderson, they disagreed. And so did police inspector Aberlein, hmm. whose name will come up uh, in our discussion episode because he had a cane on which he carved a composite, like a, not a photo, a composite sculpture of Jack the Ripper. Oh. Like the part of the cane that you would put like your the hand knob? on was... Yeah, the knob was carved huh. to look like Jack the Ripper based on what he had heard from people, That's which weird. is really Bizarre. strange. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So there was some debate at the time as to whether or not Alice McKenzie was a Ripper victim. Writers to this day are also divided. Some say, yeah, she was a Ripper victim. Others say that an unknown murderer might have made it look like a Ripper killing hmm. to deflect suspicion. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I feel like if I was Jack the Ripper and I killed Mary Jane Kelly and I went to the scene the next day and saw a thousand people, I might be like, okay, it's time to either Just change locations or yeah. check myself, hopefully, into like in a scene. 
mental institution. Um, that didn't happen. No. That sure didn't happen. <laughs> Some of the suspects, they're like, the killings might have stopped because this guy went to an institution. I mean, he might have, but it might not have been willingly. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is likely the case. Because you didn't want to go to a mental asylum back then. They weren't good places. Yeah. But I bring up the Alice McKenzie thing because it's it's... We talk about like, yeah, okay, yeah, the Ripper just disappeared after Mary Jane Kelly. The last time, you know, it was November 1888. One of the lead suspects, Aaron Kosminski, mm -hmm. was a violent guy with a lot of mental problems. He was in and out of asylums, but he was permanently committed to one in September 1889, mm. which I was like, Okay, I mean, that's a year after these killings, so it doesn't really work as an explanation for why they would stop so suddenly. Yeah. Because there's still a year of time. If Alice McKenzie was a victim of the Ripper, that was July 1889, which was only two months before Kosminski was put in an asylum. I'm not saying that is evidence, I'm just saying... It's interesting. It's also like that's also almost a year since Mary Jane Kelly, though, you know? Right, right. It's a long time. But like time. you said, Mary Jane Kelly was... A lot Big. of people. Yeah. Maybe you have to wait for it to die down a little bit. Maybe so. I mean, or he went to America and became H.H. H. Holmes, but uh, we don't really. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, I think it's one of the mysteries here is like, why did it s seem to stop after Mary Jane Kelly? Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, we'll talk about it more with the, in the discussion episode, but yeah. It, that's, I just looking at a timeline of things, it's like, are any of these suspected rippers, you know, were any of them institutionalized around the time? Or did any of them die around the time yeah. and explain that sudden? And some of them did. Like, yeah. And we'll yeah. get into that. Yeah. And Kosminski, yeah, just being one, being so close to Alice McKenzie. Yeah. Um, the debate around her as a victim of his or not, it's all very like, it paints a not clear picture. Right. I think one like tragic thing about all of this is like you mentioned Mary Jane Kelly like, maybe maybe couldn't read and Joseph Barnett would read to her about the Whitechapel murderer. And she wasn't right. the only one, uh, you know, Catherine Eddowes you know, apparently made that remark about, like, trying to find the murderer. And, like, these women, like, at least the final couple, like, knew about it. Yeah. And yet yeah. took the risk of, like, walking alone at night or meeting strangers. Like, with Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes, I think it's a little bit unclear if it was, like, a sex work thing with them or just kind of a random right. attack. But I don't know. I just, yeah. It's just, people were scared, but they were also kind of like, I'm just going to go, you know, like, I'm going to yeah, live my gotta life. You got to do what you got to do. And some of them had to, like, yeah, do sex work to stay right. alive. Yeah, I was going to say, in, in the case of Mary Jane Kelly, I mean, they had no money. Yeah. And I'm so curious then, like, Joseph Barnett was there that day. He apologized to her that he didn't have money to give her. If he had... Would she have still well? And he gone out says that, that that's what happened. It could be that he that's had true. money and was like, didn't give it to her, and then later didn't want to look bad. Yeah, but yeah, Mary Jane Kelly, especially after talking about Catherine Eddowes so much, where I feel like a good portion of her life was known and recorded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like it's so bizarre how little information about Mary Jane Kelly can actually be confirmed. Right, especially because like Ireland is not that far from. Right. London. It's like, did her family not hear about this? Maybe it was, you know, it's not like they had, they had illustrations of her, but maybe that name was common enough that it was difficult to confirm. Right. Um, the photographs of the of the murder scene are obviously like, you can't tell who that is. It's just... Right. Yeah, it, it kind of goes to show how easily someone, a killer or a victim, could kind of disappear into that labyrinth of lodging yeah. houses and pubs and everything that was the East End. Right, especially at the time when there was no way of, like, 
DNA evidence testing, like, yeah, unless you were caught in the act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's just an interesting, even like talking about what she, her last night alive and like what Joseph Barnett was doing and everything. These people were just kind of like going to lodging houses. People were very transient, going to pubs. Yeah. People could disappear. And it wasn't like shocking. Right. Or necessarily alarming. And especially like we mentioned, um, there was a huge influx of the population at this point in time, too. Mm -hmm. So so many people are coming in. It's overcrowded. It's not a great environment. And like when you suddenly have like 250,000 more people occupying the same amount of space, it's easier to lose track of the ones who are there. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting next time because I think we've spent a lot of time now with the victims every episode. And then we'll be getting into more you know, theories about who Jack the Ripper was and some other stuff, too, about like what these crimes were exactly. So right. I think that'll be interesting because it'll sort of change what we've been talking about. Yeah. Switch focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I like how we've done this because I think a lot of people do spend a lot of time talking about Jack the Ripper and who was he and everything. And I think starting with the victims right. and kind of going through their lives and like, you know, their deaths, obviously, um, it's, it's sort of a good way to set things up before we get into his identity. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it works. For, yeah, it works from two perspectives. One, that it's chronological. Mm-hmm. And two, that it really puts the focus on the victim's and the situation, I feel like like the context is there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I I think like everybody's heard of Jack the Ripper. Sure. I've, you know, when I was a kid, I or like a teenager, I heard about it. And you start reading like, oh, who was it? But like you lack a lot of the context of the time of the period, like the time period of the yeah. socioeconomic situation there. It's so like this really illustrates the point of like the where, the when, mm-hmm. the how, the who. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, when we get into talking about like, oh, who could, who are these people who are, whose names have entered the conversation of who is Jack the Ripper? Yeah. There's a lot more like context to it now. If we had started with that one, it would have been like, who are these people? What are you talking about? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think it's so easy to be like, like, who was Jack the Ripper? He was a serial killer who killed at least five women in Victoria, London, period. And then, yeah, we've gone into more like, who were these women? Why were they in Whitechapel? Yeah. Why were they easy victims? You see how the how it escalated yeah. as well? Yeah. And it's been interesting, too, because like I like you like I knew the basics of the story, but like going through it and like talking through the scripts and stuff, we've been like, why did that happen? Or like, what did that actually mean? And yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of get into some of those questions a bit more as well. Right. Well, and, yeah. And it's so complicated, too, because yeah. there were, it was such a media sensation. There was so much like disinformation with people like sending letters to the press and to the police saying they were Jack the Ripper. But like it was just so many letters. There's no way they were all from one person. Mm -hmm. So even at the time, it was confusing. There's like all these moving pieces and they never really, even at the time, narrowed in on a suspect ever. Yeah, I mean, they arrested some people, but it was no one like definitive. Right. And they were let go. Like, it wasn't like they were like, oh, we're pretty sure we got him, but we don't have the evidence. It was like... No, we'll talk to a couple people, we'll bring them in, but like we ultimately have to let them all go. It turned out there were a lot of like sort of insane people who are very cruel to women and sex workers in Whitechapel at the time. Yeah. Hard to narrow down. Yeah. Whitechapel just seems like a very unpleasant place in the 1880s. It does. (laughs) I don't know what it's like today. It's probably like much nicer um, because all London seems pretty... You know? Well, you know what? It probably is doing pretty well because they have all the Jack the Ripper tourism. Yeah, but that'd be so annoying if you were like living there. I'm sure. I'm sure it's. We talked about two different pubs that, I, that Mary Jane <laughs> Kelly went to. I'm sure they're on the tour. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I wonder if they still exist. There's so many like really old pubs in London. Here's where they go Whitechapel High Street, the Prince Alice pub, 
the Ten Bells Pub, which we talked about today, mm. the White Hart, Osborne Street, Hanbury Street, Brick Lane, Gunthorpe Street, Dorset Street, Golston Street, Mitre Square, Batty Street, Brooks Row, City of London Cemetery, Dutfield's Yard, East London Cemetery, the London Hospital. I mean, yeah, they man, this thing really goes all over. I mean, we talked about like this dark tourism and stuff. That sounds really interesting to me. Although I like I have some reservations about like these like murder tours, I guess. But that sounds interesting from a yeah. historical standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're you're hitting the pubs on your way, too. <laughs> so I, I'm into pubs. <laughs> I don't know. Let's go do a Jack the Ripper tour and write it off on our taxes. Let's do it and, and get our company to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they will? No. Nope. <laughs> the first result for apartments for rent in Whitechapel says the average... The average rent for an apartment in Whitechapel is 2,000 pounds, almost 3,000 pounds. Wow. That's... I like that's like comparable to New York, I guess. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it is just a district of London as well. So, well, London, yeah. It's not London's like a separate, like expensive. yeah. Not like a separate city or anything. Well, yeah, I'd be into that. Be cool if we could get our company to pay for that, but I don't think they will. <laughs> yeah. We'd have to, we could do like a live podcast yeah. on, the, on the scene, take like a Zoom mic recorder with us and like do like interviews with the tour guides and people of Whitechapel. How cool would that be? Just hear us steadily get more and more drunk <laughs> as we go along. <laughs> like history happy hour, but like actually. Actually happy hour. Actually happy hour and actually Jack the Ripper stuff. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. If any listeners out there want to fly us to Whitechapel <laughs> <laughs> for a tour, I won't say no. No, that sounds fantastic. We actually won't get back to Jack the Ripper next week, though, right? because it's time for History Happy Hour. So we're going to take a bit of a break to do that. A little break. Instead, for February. Yeah, a little palate cleanser. Yeah, I can't remember a single news article I wrote this month, but I think there were some good ones. Oh, I, I wrote that one yesterday about the... Um, oh, that Amish. They, they just discovered this. No, oh. no. This is about the ship they discovered, the wrecked ship oh. in Lake Superior, which is kind of interesting, actually. There's a really cool story behind that one. Mm, I like shipwreck so we'll stories. Yeah, we'll probably talk about it next week because there's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, sorry, it's like all coming back to me now. Yes, next week, History Happy <laughs> Hour, we will be talking about, I'm going to put it in there, this 80-year-old shipwreck that was found in Lake Superior. The captain was acting super weird oh. before it went down, mm. like intentionally steering the ship in towards danger and everybody else made it off the ship except for the captain because he chose to stay and go down with it. Oh, sounds like a suicide by boat type yeah thing. it's very weird and no one really knows why what he was doing or why huh, so bizarre um well i'm look forward to learning more about that yeah lots of cool stuff to talk about yeah we always have fun and if you're curious you know if you don't want to wait two weeks to get into these jack the ripper theories you can read about them mm -hmm. on all this interesting.com where we have stories on Jack the Ripper, all the victims, plenty of other true crime content as well. Plenty. Yeah, you know, the global serial killer 
uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Serial killers from all times and places. We we Spanning got them. the globe is what I meant to say. I think you want them. We got them. Confused em. myself. Yeah, but if you know, and if true crime's not really your thing, I don't know why you're still listening at this point. <laughs> but um, but we do have other stuff on there as well. Stuff about the paranormal, stuff about you know interesting events in history, breakthroughs in science, discussions on on various mythology, conspiracy theories, yeah. photo galleries, all of it over all there of it. at allthatsinteresting.com. Absolutely, and if you want more of that, you can join our newsletter by going to allthatsinteresting.com slash sign up. Or you can become a member at allthisinteresting.com slash membership. Yeah. You can write into this podcast if you want to as well by sending an email to podcast at allthisinteresting.com. We read all of the ones that get sent in. Um, we get some very interesting ones. We do, sometimes. yes. And we do read them. Ones, yeah. Ones that inspire episodes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Ones that inform parts that maybe we missed out on. Um, so if you feel there's anything we missed out on, if you know anything about Mary Jane Kelly, yeah. Right in. Let us know. Or you can call and leave a voicemail. Another option. Uh, the number is 929-526-3029. And those are also fun to hear. Those are fun to hear. Yeah. yeah. I would say we get more emails than voicemails yeah. so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're both they're both exciting to receive. So we love to hear from people. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to help the show out, give us a good rating on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It goes a long way in like helping us on the the rankings charts and also helping us feel good about what we do. <laughs> so it's a win-win. Yeah, <laughs> I do I do check it every now and the then to see what people see what people say. So do I. And I regret it. <laughs> it's been nice. It's been nice lately. There's some mean ones, but it's been nice lately. Yeah. No, I yeah, no, I do feel like they've gotten kinder or maybe the show's gotten better maybe that's what it is maybe it's like we hit that 100 mark and it was just like we're pros yeah we're great now we're on it (laughs) (laughs) follow us on instagram history uncovered podcast over there we're uh at real history uncovered on tiktok as well you can get short form easily digestible content just from this podcast with images. Yeah. Everyone's favorite. Everyone loves short, digestible content with images. That's like, yeah, that's it right now. Stop doom scrolling <laughs> on TikTok and start watching our TikTok so you can do a learning. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Content that makes you smarter in the same feed as the content that, that makes you not smarter. There you go. <laughs> balance it out. Yeah. Life's all about balance. It's all yeah. about a little give, a little take. So true. Then I guess that's that for this week. And we'll be back with History Happy Hour next week. Woo! Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.